Hey everyone, technically you're getting two days in history today because we're running two episodes from the History Vault. You'll also hear two hosts, me and Tracy V. Wilson. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson and it's January 16th. The 18th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution was ratified on this day in 1919. Several states ratified the amendment on that day, but it was Nebraska that gave the amendment the necessary 36 states required to be ratified. This followed an ongoing movement for prohibition. There were a lot of concerns about drunkenness and crime, and a lot of the most vocal and visible members of this movement were women. A lot of them women who were personally affected by alcohol abuse. They were being physically or emotionally abused by husbands who were drunk, or they were in situations where their husbands weren't supporting the family because of drink. This was also connected to religion. The Second Great Awakening had spurred religious revival all over the United States, and that led to an increase in the idea that drinking was sinful. Individual states had started passing laws regulating or prohibiting alcohol starting in 1838. Some of the most famous people and organizations in this movement were the Women's Christian Temperance Union and the Anti-Saloon League. There was also Carrie A. Nation, who became famous for smashing up saloons with a hatchet. Between the mid-1800s and the early 19-teens, as this advocacy went on, more and more states passed laws prohibiting alcohol. It started to become part of platforms when people ran for office. Dry candidates supported prohibition while wet candidates opposed it. In 1916, dry candidates won a significant majority in the U.S. Congress, and they got to work writing a constitutional amendment. In 1917, that 18th Amendment passed both houses of Congress and was sent to the states to ratify, which brings us to January 16th of 1919 when it was ratified by the required 36 states. Here is Section 1 of the amendment, quote, After one year from the ratification of this article, the manufacture, sale, or transportation of intoxicating liquors within the importation thereof into, or the exportation thereof from the United States and all territory subject to the jurisdiction thereof for beverage purposes is hereby prohibited. Section 2, quote, the Congress and the several states shall have concurrent power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. And Section 3 gave a deadline of seven years for ratification by the states so that the amendment couldn't just sit there forever awaiting ratification if it did not get enough. That legislation that was described in Section 2 came along later in 1919 with the National Prohibition Act, also known as the Volstead Act. Industrial, medical, and sacramental uses of alcohol were still allowed, That's why the molasses vat that we talked about yesterday was still necessary for making industrial alcohol. But in almost all cases, alcohol for just personal consumption was banned. When prohibition went into effect the following year, though, it was a huge failure. It did not reduce crime. It increased crime. Speakeasies, which were illegal places to consume alcohol, sprouted up everywhere. 
bootlegging, which was already pretty popular for people who wanted to evade taxes, became more widespread. Criminal enterprises formed to support the illegal production of alcohol, and some of the most famous names in organized crime were part of all this, including Al Capone. And because the alcohol was being produced illegally by people who needed to get it done out from under the watchful eye of any law enforcement, the end result was often dangerous or even poisonous. By the late 1920s, people had started calling for a repeal of the 18th Amendment. And then after the start of the Great Depression, those calls got a whole lot louder. The 21st Amendment repealed the 18th Amendment and the legislation that had followed it, and that was ratified in 1933. That makes the 18th Amendment the only amendment to the U.S. Constitution that was successfully ratified but then later repealed. There is more to this in a whole lot of episodes from Stuff You Missed in History Class, including How Prohibition Works from December 15th, 2008, A Brief History of Moonshine from October 26, 2015, and a two-parter on Carry a Nation on July 24th and 26, 2017. We've also talked about people who tried to repeal Prohibition, including Pauline Sabin on February 12th, 2018. Thanks to Casey Pegram and Chandler Mays for their audio work on the show. You can subscribe to the Stay in History class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever else you get podcasts. Tune in tomorrow for the overthrow of one nation's last and only queen. Welcome back. I'm your host, Eves, and you're tuned into This Day in History class, a show that takes history and squeezes it into bite-sized stories. The day was January 16, 1362. A massive southwesterly Atlantic gale known as St. Marcellus's Flood or the Grota Mandraka hit the British Isles, the Netherlands, northern Germany, and Denmark. It resulted in at least 26,000 deaths. The event is also known as the second St. Marcellus Flood since a similar disaster happened on January 16 in 1219. St. Marcellus's flood took place during what some climatologists now call the Little Ice Age. This period wasn't an actual ice age. The term coined by geologist F.E. Matt refers to a climate interval after the medieval warm period when mean annual temperatures declined and the weather was unstable. Though climatologists and historians disagree on the exact span of the period, by many definitions, the so-called Little Ice Age lasted from the 14th century to the mid-19th century. Around the 12th century, a series of large storm surges started occurring in the North Sea. By this time, though, Europeans were already familiar with storm surges caused by the gales of extratropical cyclones. An extratropical cyclone is one that forms in the middle or high latitudes. These cyclones are driven by temperature contrast in the atmosphere, where two air masses meet and create a front. Though tropical cyclones create higher storm surges and get a lot of attention, extratropical cyclones cover larger geographical areas. These storms led to the loss of valuable land and forced communities to relocate. Europeans could not predict when the next flood would happen, but they did build coastal defenses to protect against big storms and reclaimed land from the sea using innovative techniques. 
The Low Countries, including the Netherlands, Western Germany, Denmark, Belgium, and Northern France, were particularly vulnerable to storm surges and destruction. The first St. Marcellus flood that occurred in 1219 drowned an estimated 36,000 people, mostly in West Friesland and Groningen, which are now locations in the Netherlands. In 1287, St. Lucia's flood killed more than 50,000 people in the Netherlands and Northern Germany. This storm over the North Sea destroyed sand dunes and natural clay barriers that separated a lake in the northwest of the Netherlands from the sea. That turned the lake into a bay that became known as the Zuiderzee, or Southern Sea. Villages were wiped out, and Harlingen, a town that was landlocked, became a seaport. England was also affected by the storm surge. The second St. Marcellus flood was also devastating. It hit large parts of northwestern Europe on January 16, 1362. A southwesterly Atlantic gale swept across the British Isles, the Netherlands, northern Germany, and Denmark. High tides combined with the storm to flood large parts of the Low Countries. Rungholt, a port on the island of Strand in the Duchy of Slisby, reportedly completely sunk into the sea. The city attained a sort of mythical status, with debate later rising over whether it ever even existed. The port of Ravenser Odd in England was largely wiped out. The storm further opened the Zuiderzee to the sea, and around 60 parishes in Denmark were reportedly destroyed. The storm changed the shape of the Danish, German, and Dutch coastlines. The death toll of the flood has been estimated at at least 25,000 people and up to 100,000, though the exact number is disputed. January 16th is the feast day of St. Marcellus, hence the name St. Marcellus's Flood. The storm also became known as Groda Mandraka, which means great drowning of men in Low Saxon. In the centuries after the storm, dikes were rebuilt and land was reclaimed from the sea, but massive storm surges continued to hit the region and reshape the land. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. Keep up with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHC Podcast. Or if you are so inclined, you can send us a message at thisday at iHeartMedia.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again tomorrow with another episode. Music